<laughs> um, I, I, I started a message on last week that um, the title of my message was just like that. That God could turn it around just like that. Uh-huh. And it was dealing with the favor of God. Well, when I was, when I was, um, when I was praying this week, the Lord spoke to my spirit and he said, you know, he said that when people go through situations, the first place that they disconnect from is me. The first place that they disconnect from is me. And I, I, I said, wow. I started even looking at my own life and some of the things that I have gone through and it may not have been a long period, but there was a time that my prayer, may have, my prayer life may have dropped off. Um, my desire um, may have dropped off. And so what the Lord was saying to me was that we need to learn how to stay connected. Stay connected. So um, the sermon series that we are starting and have started is called Staying Connected. Staying Connected. Now, in Staying Connected, I don't know how long we're going to be in this service, in in this sermon series. Don't get distracted. Um, We're going to be in this sermon series, Staying Connected. Um, But I believe that God is saying to us that we need to learn how to stay connected to him no matter what the trials, no matter what the difficulties that we go through. We need to learn how to stay connected. And so we're going to be in this series until God says differently. Um, and I pray for some, some, some partners who are right here and who, have partnered, uh, who are partners uh, with us in Open Altar Worship Center. They're not here today because they're going through certain situations. They're going through things and and um, just being around the family may not be their desire right now. But we're praying for them. We're praying for their strength. We're lifting them up. We don't know everything that's going on, but we lift them up and ask that God would just move in their situations and show himself as God as in their situations. So, um, as part of staying connected, I want to use as a subtitle today, you can't stay in Lodabar. You, if, you, if you're going to be connected, you cannot stay in Lodabar. You cannot stay in Lodabar. So let's look at 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, the ninth chapter. And I'm going to read the entire chapter. Last week we stopped at verse, um, we stopped at verse 7, I think it was. But today, or verse 9, um, we're going to go all the way through the end of the chapter. And it says, and David said, is there still anyone left of the house or the family of Saul to whom I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And I'm reading from the Amplified Version. It says, there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Zeba. Now I don't want you to forget about Zeba. I'm going to tell you about Zeba towards the end here. But don't forget about Zeba. And so it says, so they called to him David and the king said to him, are you Zeba? And Zeba said, I am your servant. And the king said, now 
Understand how they're addressing David. David is now become king. He has now become king. Saul has has gone off the scene and he's died. And now David has been anointed or not anointed. David has now taken the position of king. And so he's saying the king has summoned Ziba. And Ziba says, I am your servant. And so the king said, is there no longer anyone left of the house or the family of Saul to whom I may show kindness or show the goodness and graciousness of God? And Ziba replied to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan, one whose feet are crippled. Crippled. Remember that. It says, so the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba replied to the king. He is in the house of Machir, son of Amiel, at Lodabar. He said, David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, son of Amiel, at Lodabar. Next verse, and it says, And Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his feet. And did obsience, meaning he worshipped him. He, he said, you know, he bowed down. And David said, Mephibosheth, I'm sorry. And he answered, behold, your servant. Next verse, it says, David said to him, fear not, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And I will restore, I will restore to you all the land of Saul and your father, grandfather, and your and you shall eat at my table always. Now understand that that Jonathan, David told uh, David told Mephibosheth not to fear because the reason the fear came was because of the fact that. Um, uh, 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 remember that Saul was king. And so back in those days, if there was a male benefactor, if there was a male left of the old king, the, the new king was, would try to kill off all of the males in order so that that male would not take the throne. And so he came before him in fear, thinking that David was going to kill him because David may have thought that Mephibosheth is going to try to dethrone me. Okay? Just give you a little backdrop. Drop. So let's go to verse 8. Verse 8 says, And the cripple bowed himself. The cripple bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon me such a dead dog as I am? Mephibosheth's name was, it was uh, 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 part of Baal. And that is a terminology for a dead dog or a dog. And so Mephibosheth had no self-worth. He says that I'm a dead dog. I'm a dead dog. A dog, dead dog as I am. And then verse 9 it says, Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's son, grandson, all that belongs to Saul and to all his house. Next verse. He told Ziba, look, I'm giving Mephibosheth everything. And it says, You shall till the land for him. You, your sons, and your servants, and you shall bring in the produce that your master's heir may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, grandson, shall eat always at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Next verse. And it says, And then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will, your servant will do according to all my lord the king commands. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. 
And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. Don't forget Micah's name. Micah. And all who dwelt in Ziba's house were servants to Mephibosheth. And so, last verse, Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the Lord's table. And just to recap from last week, we dealt with um, the favor of the Lord. Um, and can I get those points up from last week, Sister Holly? Um, we dealt with, with grace and, and how David showed Mephibosheth grace. And grace means favor. Um, uh, uh, it says that when, when, when God shows you grace, um, it means that you get or he gives you what you didn't pray for. You didn't pray for it. They, uh, uh, Mephibosheth didn't pray for what uh, David had given him. Grace gives you what you didn't work for. Number three it says when grace is involved, there's no struggling to it. And number four, grace can turn your life around just like that. The favor of God can turn your life around just like that. But in order to experience the favor and the grace of God, you have to stay connected. And so when I looked at staying connected, I looked at in order for Mephibosheth to receive the benefits of what David had given him, he had to come out of Lodabar. So that's why I say today, you cannot stay in Lodabar. You cannot stay in Lodabar. So let's kind of look at the life of Mephibosheth. Um, over in, I think, the fourth or the fifth chapter, um, upon hearing that uh, uh uh, Mephibosheth's grandfather and son, all of those who he looked up to, all of those who were there to protect him, uh, had fallen dead due to war and due to calamity uh, of, that was going on at that time. And so during that time, um, and, and I wanted to go back and look at it. I think it's in the fifth chapter. Um If, uh, murder, murder. Let me see. Yeah, and it says on uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Jonathan uh, Saul's son had a son whose feet were crippled. He was five years old when the news of the death of Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and the boy's nurse picked him up and fled. But it happened that while she was hurrying to flee, he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. When I was riding the church on this morning, I said, okay, he had a nurse. He had a nurse. Where was his mother at? And I, was, I started thinking about that. What made him, he was already, must have been already ailing or sick as some sort because he had a nurse that was taking care of him. He had a nurse that was providing for him. And so he's already dealing with difficulties. He's already dealing with problems in his life. And now someone who is there to take care of him, someone who is there to, to help him, has now uh, in, in fear and in hurry that was carrying him dropped him. 
And we've often heard the story about Mephibosheth and how he got dropped. Um, and I, I look at that, and there's a lot of times that those who we trust in our life, those who are close to us, those who we have let into our life, into the very secret parts, in the intimate parts of our life, um, and who uh, we have felt that are there to, to uh, uh, protect and to carry us, they let us down. They drop us. They disappoint us. They hurt us. And the crippling part about it is there are times that when that happens, we never recover from what happened. We never bounce back from the hurt. Maybe it was losing a loved one. Maybe it was somebody walking out on us. We never recover from that. I want that to sink in. We never recover from what has happened to us. Maybe it was because of our undoing. We never recover. Let's look at what Lodabar means. So in the haste, and this is what blew my mind when I started looking at this, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, the nurse and Mephibosheth, the nurse took Mephibosheth to um, a, a man named Makir, and he was in Lodabar. And Lodabar means a place of no pasture, no hope, total desolation. Total desolation. Anybody been in some situations where you felt that there was no hope? Did you? I, I was there this week. I'm gonna be honest with you. I was there this week, and last week I told somebody on last night. It was like I just wanted to give up. I just felt like you know. And I ain't talking about committing suicide. No, I wasn't talking about that. But I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna go on an island by myself. I ain't gonna answer the phone. I ain't gonna deal with nobody. I don't want to be bothered with nobody. I don't want nobody to know what's going on. No family members. Nobody. I'm just going to be right by myself. Anybody been there? Anybody been there? A place of no hope. Total desolation. Then this is what got me about the other definition of Lodabar. <laughs> when you get in Lodabar, there's no word. There's no communication. When you get in that place of hopelessness, when you get in that place where you don't feel like that nothing is going to change and turn around, then you begin to start giving in to your flesh and you become undisciplined and you literally just put the word of God aside. You disconnect from God and you live an undisciplined life. I'm going to do what I want to do. The heck with it. Everything's going wrong anyway. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to cuss. I've been delivered from cussing, but I'm going to pick it back up. <laughs> I've been delivered from drinking, but I'm going to go have me a drink on today because I'm going to just drown everything that I'm going through. I'm going to drown it in that. And I'm just being real. <laughs> I, I, I have a friend, uh, and they were... They were smoking a cigarette, and I, I, I walked to him. I said, "Give me a puff." Uh oh. They're like, "Nope, we ain't giving you no puff, Pastor." I was like, <laughs> but at that time, I didn't feel like a pastor. At that time, I just wanted to be win. I want to be like everybody else. 
disconnected from God. I threw up all restraints. I was undisciplined. And I repent for it later. Anybody ever been and did something? I'm going to do this and I'm going to repent later. Because it feels good right now. I just got to be real with y'all. It feel good. But then afterwards you got to deal with all the guilt and the condemnation because you know God's spirit start dealing with you. Now you know you shouldn't have did that. Right. Right. It's a place of barrenness. Barrenness. Lodabar. Now here it is that Mephibosheth is in Lodabar where it, he, should, it, 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 he should be barren and of no substance. Of no substance. And when you're in Lodabar, you feel lonely. You feel deserted like nobody understands what I'm dealing with. Nobody knows how I feel. I'm here all by myself. And you crying. You lonely. If only somebody would pick up the phone. But I'm here all alone. By myself. Hopeless. Sad. Because I'm crippled. And I'm in Lodabar. And I looked, I wanted you to take note of Mephibosheth. Even though he was crippled. Even though he was in a place of barrenness. The Bible says that he had a son. He had a son. How did he have a son? How did he produce crippled? How did he produce being crippled? How did he produce in a place that he wasn't to be producing in? And listen to what the name of his son Micah means. The name of his son Micah means who is like Jehovah. Who is like Jehovah. So in the midst of Mephibosheth being crippled and in a place of barrenness, every time he looked at his son, he could be reminded that there is nobody that's like Jehovah. And every time that you get into your situation, you need to remind yourself who is like Jehovah. You need to continue to produce, not allow yourself to become crippled to the point that you cannot realize that there is not a God that's like Jehovah. There's no situation that you're dealing with that Jehovah can't deliver you from. You got to focus your mind on God. Who is like Jehovah? You need to tell your circumstances who is like Jehovah. You need to tell what you're dealing with. Tell yourself who is like Jehovah. He is the Lord God Almighty. The God that's mighty in battle. So every time Mephibosheth looked at his son Micah, he was, he was remembered of the fact that there is a God. And I need for you to understand that you cannot stay stuck in Lodabar. You cannot stay in Lodabar because there is a God that's like Jehovah. You can't stay in Lodabar. What drives us to Lodabar? Fear drives us 
to Lodabar. Notice what happened. The nurse took Mephibosheth out of fear that they were going to be killed and slaughtered like Jonathan and like uh, 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 Saul. And so out of fear, they were driven to Lodabar. Fear drives us to a place of Lodabar, to a place of barrenness. Fear will grip you and make you feel like that you can't do it. Fear will grip you and allow you to think that there is no hope. And the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. And in Lodabar, remember what I said, no communication? Fear will cause you to forget the word of God. Fear will cause you to forget about his promises that he made to you. And when you're walking in fear, you can't hear. The, the word of God really doesn't even make no sense to you. And it overshadows the very truth that you already know. Anybody ever walked in fear or been in fear? I know me. I mean, even on last week, fear had started gripping me. The fear of what if? What if? It's being concerned about something that may not even happen months down the road. Fear about what may happen even during my day. And fear was paralyzing me. Fear would paralyze you. Instead of me saying, Lord, direct my footsteps today because the footsteps of a righteous woman are, the, are ordered by you. Order my steps today. Fear of more of the picture that the enemy was painting in my mind before my feet ever hit the ground. <laughs> Instead of understanding and saying to myself that this is the day that the Lord has made and I choose to rejoice in it. This is a day of blessing. This is a day of prosperity. This is a day of new beginnings. But instead, I was fearful about a day that I didn't even know what, it, what was going to happen during that day. Y'all ever been there before? Before your feet ever hit the ground, the enemy plays with your mind. He plays with your mind and he, he lets you know that when you go to work, oh, oh, hell is going to break loose and you don't even know what's going to happen makes you forget and give up on the truth. And we, ex we in turn exchange the truth for the lie that the enemy is painting. Hmm. They don't like me. Ain't nothing going to happen. I can't do this. Uh, fear. Next one is, what keeps us in lullaby is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness keeps us in lullaby. Somebody did something to us? And we say we forgive them, but we keep rehearsing what they did. We say that we forgive them out of our mouth, but our posture and everything that we say to them is rehearsing what they did. You can't move on because you're rehearsing what they did. Unforgiveness. You got to look. Look at it and say, you know what? Am I holding any unforgiveness? The other thing that keeps us trapped in Lodabar 
is our own minds. <laughs> our own mind. I don't know why I keep coming back to the mind. But our own minds keep us trapped in Lodabar. A place of nothingness. Thoughts. 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 Anybody have a problem with thoughts? <laughs> thoughts. Thoughts. My God, even sitting right here in church, thoughts. What am I going to do next? What am I going to do when I leave church? You know, where's such and such? Who? Ah, ah, thoughts. This enemy is constantly sending thoughts our way to distract us and keep us in a place of barrenness. I already talked about exchanging the truth for lies. And the other thing, the last thing that keeps us in Lodabar is an unwillingness to let go. An unwillingness to let go. And I saw a quote by Ben Franklin. And it says, while we may not be able to control all that happens to us, we can control what happens inside of us. Let me say that again. While we may not be able to control what happens to us, we can control what happens inside of us. We can control whether we hold on to unforgiveness. We can control whether we hold on to that hurt. We can control whether we uh, want to stay where we're at. We can control our own thoughts. How do I know that we can control our own thoughts? Because the Bible says that cast down every imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge and the will of God. Which means that we can control what we think. And what we think determines our actions. How we're going to respond. Whether we're going to stay in this place. And I was talking to someone on this week. And I said you know what. I said I was talking about a situation. And, and, and it was hurt. And it was pain. And I said that I could choose to stay right here. And anchor myself. And plant my feet right here. Or I can choose to get myself up. And move forward. Place a little bar. You can choose to plant your feet there. Or you can make a decision. That I'm going to get up from here. Because the king is calling me. I'm going to get up from here. Because David called Mephibosheth. Now Mephibosheth said I'm not coming. I'm going to stay in Lord Bar. The king is going to have to come find me. But Mephibosheth when he was summoned. He decided to get up. And go see what the king wanted. My God. Get that picture. You make the decision whether you're going to get up. You make the decision of whether you're going to get up out of Lodabar and go to the king. Who is our king? Our father. Our daddy. God is our king. Another thing, another quote, it says we can't control what happens to us. 
But we can control how, to, how it affects us and the choices that we make. We don't have to let it affect us. We don't have to let it cripple us. So how do we get out of Lodabar? How do we get out of that place of hopelessness? How do we get out of that place I've given up on God? How do we get out of that place? A barrenness. Don't seem like I'm producing. Don't seem like my prayers are making any difference. Don't seem like I'm changing. God, where are you? How do we get up? Number one, and I'm almost done. Number one, we got to cut the cords that binds us to Lodabar. What are the cords? What are the things? Who are the people that are keeping you in Lodabar? See, and I say people because sometimes hurting people hurt other people. And you can become so addicted to the hurt that you never even get up. You can become so accustomed to the hurt that you never even move. You can become so accustomed to where you're at that it makes it normal. But you got to understand that if this is not adding any value to my life, if this is not, uh, uh, if this is not where you want me to be, God, I choose to cut the cords that is binding me to this place. Anger, bitterness, resentfulness. I don't know what your load of bar is. And I don't know what the things that have taken you to Lodabar. Maybe it's some disappointment back way back when. Or maybe it's because you, you've been praying. And, and let me tell you something. Don't get mad with God. That's the worst thing that you could do. But a lot of times we do get mad with God. God, why did you let me get here? Well, God, why you didn't protect me from this? God, 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 God. And I'm just going to raise my hand. I've been there before. Blame God. For what has happened instead of looking at what did I do to get myself in this situation what did I do I may have gotten here but what did I not do to get myself up out of here I think about when we deal with finances a lot of times when things go awry in our financial situation we got to go back and look are we tithing are we giving offerings? Are we trusting God with everything that we have? I'm just I'm keeping it real. Because when we tithe, God has promised that he's going to protect and cover us. I'm just being real. And I've told y'all the story about my financial situation, and I'm going to be honest, I cannot not trust God. I know that's a double negative, but I refuse not to trust God. Because I understand that God is my resource. And my source. Uh, I was talking to someone on this week. And I had to be reminded. That God told me. He said look you're my responsibility. As well as open altar. Is my responsibility. Stop trying to carry it. And so I got to keep throwing it back. God I'm your responsibility. When things don't look like God. I'm your responsibility. This is yours. I, uh uh-uh, No I ain't taking this. When stuff is not going right in the church, God, open altar worship center is your responsibility. It's not mine. And I got to keep reminding myself of that. God already told me. 
But I can stand Lodabar and look at what's happening and let that thing and look at what I'm seeing connect me there. But or either I could go back to the word and the word that God spoke to me and says that you're my responsibility. So we got to cut the cords. The next thing, number two, is persevere and pray. We fall short when we get into situations. We fall short in the persevering, F, in, in the persevering phase. We don't want to push. Y'all know what persevere means? Push and persevere means I'm going to push past. I'm going to keep going in spite of. But the first thing that drops off is our prayer life. If we have one at all. <laughs> If we even have one at all, we want to still pray these, now me, lay me down to sleep, the Lord my soul to keep. I don't even know if I said it right. We want to still, <laughs> but we want to still pray those prayers and God said, you passed that. <laughs> you need to learn how to communicate to me. It's just like with a, 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 a baby. And a baby, you don't want, a ba- you don't want your daughter Sister Hannah, who you know have been talking and saying, Mommy, can I have some milk? Mommy, I don't want to wear these clothes today. You don't want to hear your daughter coming to you talking like a... Yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, what you want? You expect for her to use some words. God expects for us to grow up and learn how to communicate with him. Learn how to talk to him. Learn how to get in his presence. We should not be in the same place that we were on yesterday. Something within us says I got to persevere. And God, prayer just means communicating with you. I love Sister Dorothy because I've been putting on the spot on Wednesday. We're teaching about prayer. And I'm reminded of when Dorothy told me, she said, Pastor Wendy, I'm not into praying out loud. And and Sister Pamela told me the same thing. But I tell you what, y'all ought to be here on Wednesday. They some praying sisters now. Because I did just like this to Dorothy. I rung Dorothy's phone. And Dorothy was like, Pastor, when are you calling me? I said, answer it. And we started talking just like this. I said, now this is how we communicate. It's just like you pick up the phone and say, God, I need you. God, I'm hurting. God, I don't understand. You don't have to dial the number because he's already on the line when you pick it up Lord my day ain't going right today can, 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 can you help me you know God you, you said that you would never leave me nor forsake me but Lord you know I, I'm praying to you today I, I need you to make yourself real to me God you know I, I know you I know you I know you God manifest yourself to me today what do you say what do you say what do you say daddy be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. Yes, Daddy, I can do that. What else did you say, Daddy? Oh, you gonna make me the head and not the tail? Yes, God. Pick it up. Pick up the phone. Pray. God's gonna speak to you. games. It's the next thing of how we're going to get out of Nordar. Stop playing the blame game. You're blaming them. She dropped me. They hurt me. But God, it's their fault. I'm there. 
because they did it to me. I'm mad because God, they cheated me. I'm mad, God, because they disappointed me. When you playing the brain game, stop. It don't make no difference. Stop pointing fingers. All it's doing is keeping you in low the ball. And the next thing, and I'm, I got one more point after this. How to get out of law bar is that you got to get an accountability partner or partners. What blew my mind when I looked at this chapter here, it said that Mephibosheth and the nurse went to Makir, who was in Lodabar. Makir was a wealthy man. He, was, he even took David in. If you look further into 2 Samuel, he even took David in. This was a man who was there for people. This was a man who would be able to take care of people. This was a man that was able to lift somebody up and carry someone until they were able to do for themselves. Accountability partner will keep you on track. And the problem is we disconnect from everybody. We don't want accountability partners. I'm just going to think the way I want to think. And it's all right. But you better bounce something off of somebody. I had a meeting this week that I bounced some things off of. And I tell you what, they encouraged me so much. They said, "Uh uh-uh. You know what? Don't think like that. Think like this. And they gave me another another perspective of where I was at. And I'm going to tell you, when I left that meeting, I left encouraged. When I left that meeting, I felt inspired. When I left that meeting, I said, I can do this. An accountability partner is not going to wallow there with you. But an accountability partner is going to say, get yourself up from there. An accountability partner is going to say, you got too much word and you come on, let's play, girl. Let's pray, man. I don't listen to you. Y'all hear you out, but we ain't going to stay there because I want you to get it off your chest. But I am not going to let you stay there because you got too much to live for. You got too much purpose inside of you. You got too much anointing inside of you that I'm not going to let you waste it. My God, an accountability partner. I don't want nobody in my business. Well, guess what? They're going to know anyway. <laughs> I don't trust nobody. You better trust somebody. <laughs> I'm serious. We get so private that we not even, we ain't doing our own selves no good. You got a habit? You got an addiction? Tell somebody and let somebody walk you through it because I guarantee you they've been through it too. Get yourself an accountability partner. And number nine, uh, uh, excuse me, number five, Second Samuel 9 and 7, it says that David said to him, do not be afraid, for I will certainly show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And listen to this. I'm going to restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul. And you shall always eat at my table. The favor, the grace of God. Allow the grace of God to do what it's designed to do. The grace of God is designed to restore. Receive the restoration of God. Receive the favor of God. 
David wasn't able to change Mephibosheth's position or condition. But he was able to change his position. He couldn't change the fact that he was crippled. But he could change his position. Didn't have to be living in Lodabar no more. I'm positioning you at my table. I'm positioning you. Now how does this tie in with staying connected? And I'm going to close. 19 and 24. 24 through 30. Staying connected. You remember I told you about Ziba? David told Ziba and all of his sons to take care of Mephibosheth. Well, later on, in the other chapters, Ziba decided that he was going to lie on Mephibosheth. But in actuality, Ziba left Mephibosheth. They were supposed to have been going, and, and Mephibosheth, Ziba knew, ah, Ziba knew that Mephibosheth couldn't get on that donkey by himself, and he left him there knowing that he was helpless. And he left him. Even when you're at the king's table, everything is not going to go well. Somebody's going to disappoint you. Somebody's going to leave you. Somebody is going to take things from you. But listen to, to, to Mephibosheth's response. Mephibosheth in verse 24, it says, Then Mephibosheth, the grandson of Saul, came down to meet the king. But he had not cared for his feet, nor trimmed his mustache, nor washed his clothes from the day the king left until the day he returned from his peace and safety. So in other words, Mephibosheth's like, my king is gone, and I am going to, he let himself go because he was fasting, he was laying, he was mourning the loss of his king. And it says, and when he came to Jerusalem to meet the king, the king said to him, why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? David did not know that Ziba had left him. And so now he's getting blamed for something that he did not even do. He's getting blamed. Anybody ever been blamed for something you ain't do? Yeah. And then it says, verse 26, it says, He said, My Lord the King, my sword and Zeba betrayed me. For I said, saddle a donkey for me so that I may ride on it and go with the king. He couldn't saddle the donkey himself. Somebody that he was trusting in, somebody that had been entrusted to take care of him. It says, for your servant is lame, I'm crippled. But he took the donkeys and he left without me. In verse 27 it says, Further, he has slandered your servant to my Lord, the king. In other words, he told you a lie about me. But my Lord, and, 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 and let me pause right there. The Bible even talks about that there were people that will wrongly accuse you. The Bible even talks about that there will be people that will be telling lies on you. Accusing you, judging you. But they don't know the whole picture. David had half of a picture. But thank God that we, see a, we have a God that sees the whole picture. And it says... But my Lord, the King is like the angel of God, so do what is good in your eyes. In other words, you can think what you want to think, but God, do whatever you want to do with me. Lord, I'm yours. I'm yielding myself to you. And so verse 28, it says, For we're not all of 
father's household. For so were not all of my father's household nothing but dead men before my lord the king. Before I came before you, was I not just dead? Was I nothing? Did I not call myself a dead dog and throw myself at your feet? And it says, yet you set your servant among those who ate at your table. I didn't think nothing of myself, but you saw greater in me. And you set me at your table and gave me everything. You showed your favor to me. And it says, so what right do I still have to cry out to any, cry out anymore to the king for help? I don't need God. I'm not going to ask you for another thing because you've already done enough. And so it says in verse 9, the king said to him, why speak any more of your affairs? In any other words, I've already settled what I'm going to do with you and Zeba. And it says, I have said uh, you and Zeba shall divide the land. He told Zeba, look, there's a problem. Y'all divide it. Because that's what Zeba wanted anyway. But Mephibosheth said, this is, ah, y'all got to get me here. It says, Mephibosheth said to the king, let him take it all. Since my lord the king has returned, since I'm connected back to my king, since I'm back in my king's presence, all of this stuff don't even matter. Since I'm in your face again, God, it doesn't matter what I'm dealing with. I'm connected with you. I love Osha. Since you back in, since I'm back in your presence, God, I know that there's safety and peace. I don't care about none of this, God. All I care about is you being pleased with me. I don't care about God. When anybody says to me, God, I just want to be in your presence. I don't care, God. When anybody thinks of me, God, what matters most, God, is what you think about me. Amen. I will not trade the riches of this world, God. For your presence. I will not trade God. The pleasures of my flesh. To be in your presence. Mephibosheth said. I'm letting it all. 